I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the Pros.com podcast, where we discuss everything translation and interpreting related, including how to get new clients, areas of specialization, technical skills, software localization, machine translation, diversification, and more. Pros.com, helping freelance translators and interpreters succeed. Hey there, Paul here. This is episode 43 of the pros.com podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. And uh, yeah, we're certainly getting close, getting close to the end of the year. What a year it's been. It's certainly passed by very, very quickly from from my perspective. And uh, lots of things, lots of things going on at pros.com as well. So it's been uh, it's been quite an exciting year. Obviously, obviously, still with some difficulties given the the overall global situation, but I hope we've been able to serve you as translators and interpreters so far this year. Of course, if you have any comments about the show at all, I'd love to hear them. Please simply send me an email to training at pros.com. That's training at pros.com. You can also ask any questions in Andrew Morris's Facebook group. Okay, well, today we've got uh, Paula Jacinto, and we're going to be talking about uh, inclusive language. That's coming up in just a minute. It's, in fact, it's so interesting talking to everyone in this industry that at the beginning of the interview with with Paola, we had uh, we had quite a chat about uh, audio visual translation. So, um, if you want to skip that, although it is very interesting, if you do want to skip that and head straight over to the main topic, then you can uh, skip forward to timestamp thirteen forty. That's 13 minutes and 40 seconds. Okay, well, one other thing I'd just like to mention before we start talking to Paula, or one other person I'd like to mention is Tess Whitty. Now, I'm sure many of you have uh, have heard of Tess. She has uh, she has been really contributing so much to the translation industry over many, many years now. She is a successful trainer. She has a has a podcast. She she regularly presents at, at conferences, and so Tess is a person who's just contributed so so much. And we're we're delighted at, at pros.com that she's uh, that she has some of her courses and workshops on our platform. And and the next one that is coming up is for advanced translators, and that's marketing mastery. It starts on the 1st of February, 2022. The 1st of February, 2022. And it is the most comprehensive marketing framework to attract your ideal clients, raise your rates, grow your income, and market consistently without confusion, overwhelm, or stress. So if your income has plateaued working for agencies, if you want to take your business to the next level, or if the pandemic has affected your translation business negatively, then this might be the course for you. Check out Marketing Mastery at training.pros.com. That's Marketing Mastery at training.pros.com. And it is important that you sign up early for this course because we get started on the 1st of February 2022, which of course is not that far away now, is it? So so that's, uh, that's Tess Whitty. And now let's dive into today's main topic, which is inclusive language with Paula Jacinto. Paula Jacinto, pronouns she slash her, is a translator from Argentina, 
UNLP, specialized in audiovisual translation and accessibility. Since 2012, she has been subtitling and dubbing movies and shows like Avengers Age of Ultron, Black Mirror, The Walking Dead, and awards like MTV's, VMA's, EMA's, the Kids' Choice Awards, and the Indie Spirit Awards, among others. She was in charge of making the Spanish script for one of Cartoon Network's first series showing gender-neutral language, The Fungies, and she has fought for gender equality and inclusion in the audiovisual field when working with non-binary characters and actors. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, great to have you here. Great to have you here. So we're going to be talking a little bit about inclusive language later mm -hmm. on in the show. Very important topic. But it first is. of all, let's let's uh, let's get started with you. Um, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today in the translation industry. Well, uh, I'm a translator from Argentina. If you don't know, <laughs> I graduated 10 years ago from uh, Universidad Nacional de La Plata, National University of La Plata, um, a very dear and important university here. And I specialized in audiovisual translation, just basically by working. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did. Okay. I yep. just took some um, courses and then I started working because I, I was lucky enough to get into this world. And I have never stopped since. And then I yeah, got yeah. more and more into gender issues and um, gender matters. And here I am. Life, life kind of took me here. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, let's <laughs> just talk a little bit about audiovisual translation because it's been in the news quite a bit recently, um, yeah. especially with uh, the release of uh, different shows on on Netflix and the explosion of uh, of subtitles in in different languages. So, what's your what's your take on that situation? And and perhaps I would include here the comment that there's not enough uh, not enough subtitlers out there. Do you think that that there are not enough subtitlers? Well, that's that's uh, no, it's not about what I think. I think um, <laughs> that's that, that's just uh, a comment that's been shared in the news that there's not enough uh, subtitlers or translators to deal with all of this uh, all of this new content that's well, I, uh, coming out on streaming platforms. I haven't read that. Um, maybe in what country? Because here I feel like Latin America uh, is one of the biggest uh, industries out there regarding audiovisual translation. I mean, Mexico, yeah. Argentina are big, uh, huge countries when dealing with dubbing and subtitling. And I feel that here we have lots, lots of young mm, professionals mm. that are willing and uh, uh, that want to join this world. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think the argument basically, I mean, I've, I've certainly seen it in the UK press. It's uh, I think the argument basically goes as follows. There's a lot of new content on streaming platforms and mm -hmm. there aren't enough uh, there aren't enough subtitlers to be able to cover that necessity. And I think the counter argument that mm -hmm. I have seen from from translators or from subtitlers is that, yes, there are plenty of professionals out there, yeah. but there's this uh, this pricing issue. Yeah. So obviously some very big companies, uh, very big streaming platforms with lots of money and the rates that actually get through to translators or subtitlers at the end of that process are not necessarily high. So I think that's mm -hmm. what the discussion is about. And uh, I've certainly heard it or seen it, um, seen people saying things along 
the lines of yes, it's 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 all about the rates. If you uh, if you were able to offer a different rate, then you would find that there are many subtitlers out there willing to to help you with those those projects. Yep. So it's that uh, that age old battle of of rates, Paula. I think that is totally accurate. I think uh, that's the issue, the pricing, um, and also maybe there are a lot of people willing to translate, but not a lot of professionals. You know, I have seen some yeah. poor subtitles on Netflix, um, but there are some great subtitles there too. So, and also the deadlines, right? Because sometimes we are asked to do like 20 episodes of a show for in a week. Yeah. And yeah. that is humanly not possible in terms of uh, perfection. Perfection doesn't ex exist anyway, but um, yeah. we are expected to be perfect in a little, uh, in so so few days, such few days in a little amount of time with a little um, price tag. <laughs> How yeah, can I yeah, say? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Low rates and, mm -hmm. and high quality. Um, yeah. Something has to, something it's has to much. give. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, well, interesting. If I could just ask you, a bit a little bit more about your 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 business so where do you where where do you where have you found clients uh over the years what what's worked for you in terms of uh working with uh subtitling clients yeah so i started i was uh very lucky at the beginning because i started in argentina working in at uh, masterdavin which was a company that um, had clients like Fox or HBO. Um, so I started there subtitling shows like, um, American Idol or the X Factor. And I learned a lot there and that allowed me to have and like, you know, networking. And yeah, then yeah. I got to know people from other companies. Um, and I would say it's all about networking and, um, trying to, get your name out there. Um, I yeah, wasn't yeah. really using LinkedIn and I don't know if it was a big deal back then, 10 years ago, but now it's very useful. And just talking to people or saying, Hey, are you interested? Or just asking, uh, if the question was related to how can you get uh, work or how can you get started in this industry? I think that's the, the key, the key factor. So once I got into that company, then I got into another one that's very, a very important company here that I wouldn't say the name. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I there I, I started working for Discovery and MTV. Then I quit, and I realized that uh, that wasn't the only company that owned MTV. To say it like, if if I could say it in. Um, MTV is not owned by anyone here. Like there are a lot of companies with MTV content. And then yep. I started to work with another one with a better, um, that offered me better rates. And I don't know how, how I got here, <laughs> but people, yeah. I was recommended by, by other people or I, I never really stopped to look for a job. Like, um, yeah. it was just life. 
and okay. connection. Okay. Yep. No, brilliant. Interesting. All right. Well, we probably talk a lot for a lot longer um, about audiovisual translation, but that, of course, is not the topic of today's podcast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, well, one last question. One last question. Yes, Would you have course. any recommendations or any suggestions for anyone thinking of getting started as a subtitler or getting started in audiovisual translation? Uh, suggestions, just maybe a warning. Um, it's, it's a great job. I mean, I, I am passionate about what I do, but, um, it is not, how can we say this, Paul? <laughs> the, the pay is not, um, ideal. So I would say that if you have to get started and accept some poor quality jobs, maybe um, even if we don't like to do it, I think if you start that way, it's okay. But then you just have to fight for what you deserve and fight for mm-hmm. better rates uh, yeah. to to be respected. And that's what every subtitler I think is doing now, since you said, uh, since you mentioned that at the beginning, like there are, there are no subtitlers because they are demanding better pay. And that's great because that's yes. how, how you get noticed and how you visibilize, visibilize, uh, this issue. So that's the main problem. But then I just, um, a suggestion is just start working on it and start doing it because you just learn by subtitling. You you don't learn by reading about subtitling. Uh, you learn Absolutely. by doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about inclusive language now. So okay. I feel this is a very relevant topic um, at this, at this time. And, and I've talked mm-hmm. to you about it before yeah. and I, I thought it would be great to have a podcast episode on it so so mm-hmm. what is Paula what is inclusive language and let's you know let's let's not be afraid to um sort of start off with with basic definitions of what it is we're talking about and then hopefully go on to some examples so what is inclusive language Paola? okay yeah let's not take anything for granted so um I would just say that inclusive language I'm always talking about English and Spanish right so here uh, in Spanish, lenguaje inclusivo uh, kind of takes you to talk about gender. Mm-hmm. And when I first talked to you, Paul, when I met you, I remember that it was a bit confusing because maybe for English speakers, uh, inclusive language was also like it had to do with um, maybe racism or ageism issues, right? Or disabilities and it was about including everyone. But when I think about inclusive language and in Argentina, when we say inclusive language, we are talking about gender, about including women and including minorities and LGBTQ plus um, communities. That is inclusive language here. Or maybe we could say gender neutral language um, or non-binary language also. There are a lot of terms Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of uh, yeah, concepts, but when we say inclusive language, it has to do with gender and minorities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think this, um, I think this is relatively new in terms of how people are dealing with this, uh, nowadays and how people are talking about it. I've certainly seen a change 
recently on on social media platforms or, or mm-hmm. by recently over the last last couple of years so I, I don't think those definitions are necessarily established and I think there yeah there may be some there may be some variations between well there are variations obviously between between cultures and between languages so mm-hmm. so yeah it does depend and it's quite a it's quite a a big overall topic but the topic that we're talking about today is inclusive language referring to gender so so please yeah. please please go into detail a little bit more about what does that mean what what are we talking about in both uh languages you want me to talk about english and spanish not really. I mean, I, I obviously, obviously, I, I, what I'm trying to get is a, a sort of general overview of what it is, and and obviously, the, the the more you can use examples in English, the better, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, but really, it's about getting the concept of across of of what this is and why it's important. I think that's how I'd like so, to tackle it. Okay, I'm gonna try to summarize it, and um, because this is, uh, I want you to know that this is very spontaneous that I didn't. <laughs> prepare anything for today. <laughs> but uh, when we talk about inclusiveness and inclusive language in English, I could tell you that um, if we say, for example, a man can do anything uh-huh. to talk about general, uh, like general terms, to talk about humanity, or when we say mankind, that is yep. not, that is not inclusive because you are deliberately leaving women and uh and LGBTQ non-binary fluent groups out, outside that man. Yep. Yep. Or when yep. you say craftsman or um, fireman, fireman, yep. like it, it's better to say craft worker, firefighter, yep. um, um, instead of mankind, humankind yep. uh, or human beings. And instead of using he as like a universal pronoun, you can use um, general terms or they, or talk about, or talk with the passive voice or with imperative forms. And, um, you can find a way to be more neutral when talking without using yeah. the yeah. he pronoun. That's well, I've basically- seen, I, I, I've mm-hmm. seen all sorts of, yeah. Okay. Well, this is great. So yeah, I think, I think we now understand the concept, uh, and I, I've seen lots of different variations of of this. For example, just just talking about the he pronoun. So I've seen um, he, yeah, uh, he and she, mm-hmm. um, she and he, or or just she or or they. So there's quite a lot of variation there, right? Um, and I think that's that also can get confusing when you're writing. Like, how would you know what to do if you're writing a text? Mm-hmm. And or should you? Is there, a, in other words, is there some kind of rule or style guide you should follow, or would it be okay to mix things up a, a little bit? I think it would be interesting to mix things up a little bit, <laughs> and the order of the pronouns, like you said, she and he. That's very interesting, and that uh, makes a point because we usually see he slash she, you know. And if she is uh, after he, yeah. uh, it's it's it kind of tells a lot about the person that's writing too. So if we mix it up and we say he slash she, and then she slash he, or just he in some paragraphs and she in another one in an, in other ones, 
or just use be a little more defiant and use um the universal the universal female pronoun maybe in some con it depends on the text depends yeah, on the context yeah. depends on the audience depends on the client style guide if they have one you can talk to the client also uh of course i always say that for example here when we are translating a legal document it is not common and mostly not possible to talk with the with our uh non-binary pronoun and general inclusive pronoun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, yeah. now we have a non-binary ID document. I don't know if you heard, Paul. A, a non-binary what document, sorry? Like uh, in Argentina, we have in our ID uh, document, you can okay. choose the gender uh, and you, okay. uh -huh. you yep. can okay. choose yep. male, female, or non-binary. Yep. So yep. in that case, you would be... Uh, able to translate with like in a more inclusive way, uh, when talking about legal documents, but then if not, um, I would also say that you can mix it up a little bit, or you can also just find neutral words and speak in general terms with the plural forms or passive voice and, uh, other resources that we have mentioned or that yep. you can find on the internet too. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Paolo, I must say, I think you're doing very well without any preparation at all for this. And I, I <laughs> um, if you don't, you probably don't know this, but that's a completely deliberate ploy on my part. I do try and avoid giving anyone questions beforehand because I think it just makes for a better conversation. Excellent. And the other part of, of yeah. my job, I think, is to ask, ask the questions um, that some people might um, you know, might represent the opinion of, of some people, certainly, mm -hmm. you know, or not, not necessarily my opinion or opinion mm -hmm. of the pros or anything like that. But, yeah. but what would you, what would you say to people, um, who say something along the lines of, well, it's, it's just a language thing. It's, it's linguistically, it's been like that for many years or many hundreds of years. Why should we bother making any changes now? And, you know, what's, what's the point and why is this important at all? Uh, to those people, I would say, what's the point of any revolution, right? Like, what's the point of change in general? Like, changes can be really, really positive things in the world. If it weren't for changes, we women wouldn't be able to vote. I always say the same thing, and mm -hmm, I think it's mm -hmm. a clear example and we don't talk the same way we talked a hundred years ago. And in Spanish, we don't talk the same Spanish that Cervantes, El Quixote, uh, spoke English. I mean, if you listen to hip hop, they don't speak like Shakespeare. And um, yeah. language is dynamic and language changes and evolves. It changes along uh, society, I mean, it follows society's own changes and it's a representation of how the world is right now. And the world is more, I, I think, and I hope more open, more free in a lot of ways. And language should represent that because yeah. Status, yeah. status quo doesn't work <laughs> for like, it's, it's not uh, permanent. So it doesn't make any sense to not change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Okay. All right. Well, that that makes sense, and I think I think it's interesting what happens in terms of a language a language reflecting society and a language reflecting culture, cultural changes and society changes in society. And I think I think that's that what's what is what happen is happening here. Yeah. Um, to we always we always have new words. You know. Uh, yeah. We are always, especially in my country, in Argentina, we create new words every day <laughs> with memes. We have new verbs every day. It's crazy. And um, I, that should be represented somehow. I mean, not just talking about non-binary people. I mean, language in general. So why, why most people, I, I have heard a lot of people with that um, point of view, you know, like, why should we change? Why are you forcing me? First of all, we are not forcing anyone, but why do we have to change? And those people use a lot of new words and use slang and use um, abbreviations that yeah, yeah. didn't exist a hundred years ago. So it's um, kind of contradictory. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I can understand that. But yeah, I mean, it does involve some sort of... Um, deep-rooted grammatical changes in 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 certain cases um if you i mean if you look at if you look at the uh spanish for example is what, mm -hmm. one language where this obviously applies where the the um mixed the mixed plural is essentially a masculine plural right mm -hmm. yeah so the the female plural would be would be las and the male would be los yeah mm-hmm and the right. mix would be loss as well, right? Yeah. So the, mix, the mix is, um, I mean, ellos, ellas, and the, the inclusive would be ellas. Yes. Yep. Yes. But the traditional um, mixed would be ellos. The traditional one is the masculine ellos, yep. Yeah, yeah. So how do, so how do we deal with those with those kind of, those kind of situations and and how would you deal that with the, with that kind of thing in text and, and what do you think is going to change there in the years ahead Paula in the years ahead I, I have no idea <laughs> I don't know where I'm gonna be in five years uh five years from now where what the world is gonna be I hope it's not on fire but um but for example uh seven years ago when we started using the inclusive uh, pronoun here in Argentina, eche, and with the e or the x to represent a neutral vowel. You yeah. know, when we started doing that, a lot of people said that um, it was outrageous and that it wouldn't last. Okay. And um, here we are, ten years later, and we are debating about this even more and more. And I remember if <laughs> there were a lot of people that said um, Lady Gaga wouldn't last either. And here she is, the greatest <laughs> pop artist. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't yeah. know what's, um, what's going to happen. But I hope that at least it doesn't matter. I, like I said, we are not trying to force people to talk in a certain way. But it's interesting how much they resist to change and how um, how much hate uh, or hatred some people express when we are talking about this. Instead of just, 
okay, let it be. You talk the way you want to talk. I talk the way I want to talk. Most people that are against inclusive language are really against it and Mm -hmm. express a lot of hate. And that's not the idea. Just don't use it. I, I don't care if you're, if, uh, I think it's an issue about empathy and respect. And okay. I just hope that it leads to that, to being more empathetic with the world and more respectful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. And another another word that you've used uh, has come up in our conversations in the, in the past is empowerment, which is, uh, of mm. course, a, a great word. And um, I, I, I'd just love for you to share a couple of examples of how you have um, taken sometimes some some small actions in subtitles, um, but actions that that have sort of made a difference to the overall um, final final product. Tell us a little bit about about that, please. Okay, about empowerment and translation. Yeah, yeah. For uh, example, in your experience working with subtitles, yes. you yes. I know that you've had the choice of you've got some degree of flexibility there and you've used that you've used that uh flexibility in on some occasions <laughs> yeah yeah you're right so uh the first thing that comes to mind is last year when i had to uh subtitle translate um the lady gaga talking about lady gaga i love her the lady gaga special about covid uh one world uh they were talking about doctors Okay. And yeah. and uh, how they like support doctors and doctors are fighting covid and doctors doctor doctors doctors. And it was super difficult for me to I mean just think about it in English doctor can be f- either female or male or fluent. But sure. here here we have to use um doctor doctora o médico médica. Uh-huh. Let's not talk about medique, doctore, because they don't accept non-binary pronouns in that in subtitling in general terms because of yep. uh, the, the style guide. So um, I chose to use a female pronoun, a generic female pronoun, because in, at that time, and um, talking about that specific context and the 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 state of the United States that they were talking about those doctors there, most of them were female doctors because I looked it up also the, the statistics. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so um, so screw it, they couldn't tell me, they couldn't scold me because I even did my research. It wasn't just yep. like yep. Um, because I, I I was a rebel. But I chose to use the female pronoun, and that I think was a, a, a little, but a huge uh, battle that was won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sometimes, in other cases, I chose to mix it up a little bit, like you said, and just use female pronouns and male pronouns, or say when they talk about when they mention professions, for example, and they say. Um, Doctors, nurses, teachers, which are all general terms in English yeah. regarding gender. Here in Spanish, I would just alternate the the female or male variation and okay, use, yeah. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, you know that there are some professions that are high, like 
have a higher status than others and mix that up with the gender. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, I think this is really interesting, Paula, and I think you're obviously doing a, a great job of bringing awareness <laughs> to this issue. So I think it's, um, and, and that's, you know, that's what it's about for me. It's yeah. about being aware of, of what's happening, not only in society, but what, what's happening in language terms as well. And, and, I, and I think at the very least, people need to understand what, what is going on and what this, you know, what this means for them now and, and in the future. And, and, yeah. and yeah, to be, be prepared to make those, uh, adjustments because change is uh, inevitable um, mm -hmm. in, in pretty much everything. So yeah, great. It is. Um, Paola, just one specific question that yes. I, that I do, I get asked quite a lot, actually, uh -huh. this has come up quite a lot in the last few years. And it is when you, when someone appears on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, I think you see this on, on LinkedIn, uh, perhaps more than anywhere else. So it's a, um, a person's name, and then after that name, it will have um, their pronouns. So yes. such as um, she slash her, right? Yeah, like but I have. Uh huh. Okay, so so go on. So so yeah, please please explain what what does what what does that mean, and what um um what what does that mean basically? It means it just means what it is like how I. Uh, refer to myself and how I regard my, uh, my like my identity. Like I would like to be um, talked to as a woman, and you mm -hmm. can use these pronouns when you talk to me. And it's just a cool and subtle way of uh, letting everyone know if you are if you regard you regard yourself as um, female, as male, or as fluent or non-binary. It's yep. also a good way to avoid conflicts, you know, if you say your pronouns are they or them, and of course mm -hmm. you are just one person, you are not a lot of people, but if yeah. you say that your pronouns are they or them, then uh, the audience and whoever wants to connect with you or write to you knows that you are non-binary and that okay. uh, they should be uh, referring to you with those pronouns when they talk to you or if they offered you a job. So, uh, you should be aware of that because it's, uh, good for your public image. If you treat them with respect, like they want to treat, be treated. It's like, uh, if I called you, for example, Paul, what are your pronouns? He or him. Uh, exactly. So if I called you, uh, she all the time, it would be disrespectful to you as a male English person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But in what circumstances do you think that clarification is necessary? Um, well, or, only or what, do, or what, or what do people perceive? That's probably not the right question. What, in what situation do people perceive Mm -hmm. that it is necessary for them to include their, their, their pronouns in that way. Uh, since we're talking about translation, I think it's vital because we deal with language yeah. and we are dealing with these issues. I think that uh, there are a lot of professions and a lot of uh, contexts that are not uh, gender conscious and um, they don't think this is necessary, but to for others... Um, 
if they see this lack of um, awareness, they notice, you know, people yeah. notice yeah. and yeah. minority yeah. notice. So even if you don't care about the, the, the cause or the fight or whatever, if you put this on LinkedIn and you say, my pronouns are these, it, it tells a lot about you as a person. Like it, it tells the world, Hey, I know about these gender issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's also, I think it's a plus because who would say, Oh, what a waste of time. He's telling us, uh, his pronouns. I, I, I cannot think about anyone who would say this is a waste of time or this is disrespectful or this is all for nothing. I, uh, yeah, it's all positive. Okay. For him, for me. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Paula. I think, um, I, I think the first thing I'd like to say is, well, I mean, b- a big thank you to you, uh, for, for, for coming on the show. I think, I think this is a great conversation that we're having. And I, yeah. I think, um, I think you're right. We are in an industry where um, it's all about language. So yeah. this is absolutely this is absolutely where we need to be. We need to be aware. Mm-hmm. We need to understand uh, changes that are that are happening, and we need to react in the right way. So I'm I'm delighted that we're having the conversation. Thank you so yeah. much uh, for coming on. You're obviously um, doing a great job in terms of awareness. And thank um, you. yeah. So just a, a big thank you. So um, are you, I, because you invited me and you're, uh, you want to talk about this. So uh, great job to you too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think we need to talk about lots of different things on, on the podcast and just, you know, just get people talking about different topics. I think that's mm-hmm. what it's, that's what totally. it's all about. So, so brilliant. Paula, I'll leave you with the, with the last word, if you'd like to say anything else and please include your details. If anyone would like to get in touch and uh, talk about this We'll talk about anything with you in more oh, detail. You can just find me on LinkedIn, Paula Jacinto, like my name. And uh, I'm also on Instagram, but that's just a personal account. But I mostly use LinkedIn. If you have any doubts or anything, I accept everything but hatred. So <laughs> thank you for listening and for thank you for inviting me always. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks very much, Paula. Gracias. All the very best. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. A big thank you to Paola for sharing such uh, such great information, a very relevant topic, a very important topic. And uh, I think she I think she explains it really, really well. So thank you, Paola. Don't forget to check out our courses, including Tess's course that I mentioned at the beginning. That's training.pros.com. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, I'll see you next time. All the best. Bye-bye.